Hey guys, what's up? It is week 75. Uh, at the end of this video will be a 30 minute uh, talk about Cannibal Holocaust with my friend uh, Keith Voigt Jr. from Cinema Wasteland. It's both one of a uh, movie that we both kind of uh, have a lot of opinions about and hold in high regard. So we decided to tackle that one similar to how we did Natural Born Killers. Hopefully you guys like that one. Uh, also, there's a contest for the 7 release. This is the drawing. Um, there's about 32 entries in there for, uh, Anthropophagus and Absurd, so, uh, that'll be at the end of the video. I'll do the drawing, uh, right before the, uh, it'll be one of the last things I do. So stay tuned for that. I want to start this, uh, video out with kind of a quick review. I don't think I can do the within the minute. I always fail. I know I'm like two, uh, zero for two. I don't think I can cut it, but the movie I wanted to talk about a little bit is just one I watched on Netflix, Tales from the Hood Part 2. Okay, guys. I love the original Tales in the Hood. I think it's a classic. I think uh, for a while it was underrated. It's one of the better anthologies out there. Uh, I saw it when it came out. I watched a lot of that kind of stuff in the 90s. So it was at a ripe age when I saw it. Love the original. This one is uh, was on Netflix. It is cheaper than the original. Definitely a cheaper movie. This thing's right here. Drive. There we go. It was uh, cheaper than the original. It's uh, directed by the writers of the original, Darren Scott and Rusty uh, Cudliffe, I believe his name is. Um, like I said, it's cheaper. Uh, Clarence Williams III can no longer play like the uh, mortician uh, because he's obviously passed away, R.I.P. So uh, Keith David steps in, which is a, it's just a great replacement. Keith David is amazing. You guys know Keith David from The Thing, uh, They Live, Clockers, numerous movies, Platoon. He's an excellent actor. So, um, there's that has that going for it. There's five stories, including the wraparound, two directed by Darren Scott, three directed by Rusty Cudliffe. Um, hope that's his name. I think I'm a little confusing on it. The uh, okay, the wraparound follows the story of this kind of this technology expert, similar doing a RoboCop thing where he wants to create this uh, this uh, robotic, well, basically a robot street cop to uh, pick up crime and predict crime from criminals, uh, predict the criminals. So he has Keith David come in uh, to tell all these stories because this robot can also interpret it things through stories so if it learns through stories it can learn second-handed so it's not ai he calls it ri real intelligence so uh, i don't remember what it's called but it's some patriotic looking robot um and towards the end there's some bad cgi with it in fact this movie does have some bad cgi throughout uh, occasionally um so the first story um actually follows this strange uh this uh like uh, african-american museum just to kind of showcase how horrible um they were treated in history, and these uh, two um, obviously uh, millennial stereotypes, uh, well, three of them break in, and they steal this uh, doll that was kind of a symbolic thing to keep the African-American people down. And, uh, of course, you know, guys, it, it takes a crazy, wild, and weird turn. That's all I'm going to say about it. It gets really stupid, really silly, and it starts off really good, and this gets so stupid and silly, it's 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 out there. This movie's very ham-fisted. Its political message, its political ideology is right in your face. Um, but all at the same way, the movie is also very funny, and purposely done funny. There's lots of uh, you know tongue-in-the-cheek moments and obvious stuff. They do it on purpose. And a lot of the dialogue is priceless. It's very, very funny. But at times, it's cringy because it's so ham-fisted at the same time, and you're just like, ooh, that, I mean, it's crammed down your throat in some ways. And it's never, like, uh, enraging or anything like that to me at all. But um, it, it does become ham-fisted, to be honest. And, and, you know, I don't get upset political ideology in films, any film, anywhere. And, you know, if I agree with it or disagree with it, it's just not something that I particularly get angry about. That's just what the film's choosing to do. But I will point it out. And it, this one has it in uh, spades. 
Huge in space. It's everywhere. And like I said, it's ham-fisted. And, and the movie in general is cheesy, but it's going kind of for a cheesy kind of anthology Tales in the Crypt vibe at times. So the first story starts off strong and it ends in a ridiculous note. It, it's insane. It's just insane. And there's a little shout-out to the first one in there, which I enjoyed. Uh, the second one uh, is probably one of the best of the bunch. This one Darren Scott does. This one had me laughing hysterically. There's this medium on TV who is, a, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a sham. He talks to the dead, but it's basically microphones in the chair. Some gangsters see him on TV. They kill the guy who um, had a secret bunch of where a bunch of money was. So they try to get this medium to uh, communicate with the people, this guy they killed, and find the money. But something goes wrong. It's really hilarious. There's lots of voices in different people that don't belong there, and it, it works really well. I like the twist. The dialogue in here is great. There's a moment where the two thugs are beating up uh, the guy for the money, and uh, they go through and they do this whole boxing routine where they start like talking about all these old classic boxing matches, and that was actually pretty fun as well. I like that. I thought that was really clever, and the, the, the goons are really good at it. They're morons, and they're, they're, they play it perfectly. This one is one of the better of the bunch. Uh, the third one in here, or including the wraparound, the third one is a, is a tale about, I guess you'd call them fuckboys. I'm old. I don't know how this works, but they're these two sleazy guys that lie to women to get them to sleep with them. And they uh, go to this uh, rich women's house and they think they're, you know, in for a night of, uh, you know, debauchery and uh, horrible things. But uh, they're in for something and it's definitely horrible. I don't want to spoil too much. This one's really hilarious. The communication between the friends is priceless. Uh, I think they do a really good job. They had me laughing because they're such pieces of crap and they're awful. And, uh, this whole movie is obvious that they're like, don't get anything bloody on the nice furniture because they're shooting all these nice houses. We can't have any blood or gore in the nice nice houses, nice furniture. So situations change, cold subs come in because there is some gore and the practical gore there and it, it's splattery, it's gory, guts are falling out, stuff like that. But you can obviously tell that they were not to screw up the um, um, set or the houses they're using, the locations. This one's fun. It works well. It definitely feels most like a Tales in the Crip or, you know, old Tales in the Hood episode. I mean, just the just desserts aspect of it, to be honest. The next story is uh, starts off really strong, but it gets really ham-fisted, and it either needed to be 20 minutes shorter or 20 minutes longer to like dwell out. It, it's a very complicated, uh, you know, story, and it involves time jumps and things like that. And this one has the most. Uh, across the board acting. Some is really great and some is really poor. I don't want to point out distinct actors or anything, but the lead and the, all the people in the flashback are good, except I felt one of the actors who comes into the modern time was bad and the modern time's good in the flashback. I don't know how that works, but the acting ranges dramatically in this one. And uh, it, it, the whole message is boiled down to I don't want to even. It, it's like. Um, uh, people voting, uh, African Americans voting Republican and stuff like that. And this one's the most ham fisted and it's really cringy and it's message, you know, although people would agree with it at times, you know, a lot of people would agree with it. It, it does come across super ham fisted and a little, a little blurry. It doesn't come across as, as clean as they want it to. It just feels a little sloppy and the whole one is sloppy. And there's just like a lot of like cheesy moments that are also like, TV special, like, take a bite out of crime kind of message stuff in this one. And, and you know, it, it's just, I understand and I appreciate the message they're trying to push through or whatever they're trying to do with it. I appreciate somebody trying to get a message across in the movie. I understand, okay? But it's just done sloppy. And it's the weakest of the bunch. And it's almost to that point where you're just like, oh, oh. And uh, I believe that was the last story in here. There's the three and the wraparound. Uh, no, there's another one in here. It's not coming to mind right away exactly. Oh, okay, we have the uh, two by Rusty. Um, 
Yeah, and then a two by Darren Scott. There's four and then the wraparound. And the wraparound ends pretty fun. And Keith David is chewing the scenery. I've never seen him do this much overacting, but it's really great to watch, you know, an actor I've always loved kind of just get to go over the top and have fun with it. Um, it's not perfect, and there's a lot of, like, high and lows with it, but I think it's worth checking out. I love the first one. It's not the first one. It's a cheaper first one. And and um, Darren Scott, I think, had more fun with it. And I think that he uh, his shorts speak to me more. And I think that uh, and a lot of the stuff he worked on just speaks to me more. I, I like his style. So so there's that. But I, I think you guys should check it out, especially if it's just a Netflix watch. Go ahead. Tales in the Hood 2. You could do way worse. It's not nearly as bad as you're hearing. Or some people really like it. I think it's right down the middle. I think there's some fun stuff and, and some bad stuff and everything in between. So check it out. No one tells stories as well as I. <laughs> I think it's going to be quite amazing. <laughs> October 2nd. Okay, guys. The next one is the 1956 classic from Olive Films. This is an Olive, Olive signature release by Don Siegel. 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Kevin McCarthy. Yes. Uh, I'm a big fan of this movie. Always been a big fan of this movie. Always been a big fan of this story. I like the one from 56. I like the one from 78. I like the one from the 90s by Abel Ferreira. Uh, screen written by Larry Cohen and Stuart Gordon. Okay. You guys know the story of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, based originally off of a, um, a, a short story or a, a story told in like uh, three parts that uh, broadcast over time. But uh, these pods start to show up and uh, people start to be taken over by the pods. They lose their identity and they're all conformed into these emotionalist, you know, pod people. And uh, Kevin McCarthy and uh, his love interest uh, start to find this out and it's up to them to survive and get out of town and the without being turned into pod people that's the story here it's a great story and uh, don siegel is a wonderful director don siegel did stuff like dirty harry charlie varick um and he got guys like you know he um clint eastwood you know gave him a big break i know he was working the spaghetti westerns but in america you know he helped him here and uh, he helped sam peckinpah which is uh pretty funny because sam peckinpah is actually in this movie as uh, charlie the meter man so uh you know it's very strange to see peckinpah in this movie to be honest in 56 but so there's that going for it kevin mccarthy is an excellent actor kevin mccarthy was one of these actors that was always great in everything and he was a larger than life kind of character he's a little always like uh, theatrical i always felt he was a theatrical actor and he pops up in a lot of like b movies later on in his career and a lot of Joe Dante movies as well. He uh, pops up in great stuff that I personally like, like a Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College, uh, The Midnight Hour, uh, tons of stuff. He's just an excellent guy, actor and uh, isn't he UHF? I believe he's the bad guy in it. So yeah, Kevin McCarthy's great. And he, I've never seen him in anything this young in anything. So um, the movie's about paranoia. It's about conformity. It's about, you know, being forced to become something or being, you know, the only one completely out of your realm, out of your time, stuff like that, being turned. Uh, a lot of people always put this on there as a, you know, um, a metaphor for communism because at the time you had the McCarthyism going on where people were being accused of being communist and blacklisted and whatnot. So you had that going on at the time. 
or around that time, the paranoia of the Russians. But in reality, Don Siegel and the writer um, of the original story never had that in mind when they were asked. Don Siegel, they said in the, in the special feature, said he got a kick out of it when people from the left would uh, get mad at him or people from the right would get mad at him about the movie because he was like, I don't, you know, it's just about conformity. He actually figured it was about uh, uh, insomnia because he had insomnia. That's what he took it at. And that's why this movie is so great because it's, it's such a good movie. It's an interesting movie. It's well acted. It's scary. It's very terrifying to be uh, completely taken over. Not only do you lose your life, you lose your identity. Everybody loses their identity. Everybody loses their humanity. And, and what, if you have no emotions, if you have you have these memories but no emotions attached to the memories, it's just nothing. And, and that's how it is. And it's just the idea of waking up and noticing somebody's not them. They have them, but they're not them. It's terrifying. And and that stuff. And it's a beautiful movie because people can portray, put their uh, their thoughts into it and, and make it what they are. What is becoming a pot person? Is it, you know, being forced to be a communist? Is it forced to conform and be something that you're not? Is It's really what it is. And uh, that, that's pretty interesting. There's lots of special features on this disc. Uh, tons and tons and tons of stuff. There's two commentaries, one with the film historian, which is very interesting, and one with Kevin McCarthy and the lead actress. Um, I'm not too familiar with her work. She's in a lot of other stuff. And Joe Dante, who worked with Kevin McCarthy several times, who's a huge fan. That's a great commentary. There's also interviews, uh, like the classic stuff ported over from the old uh, DVD and stuff. And, and there's lots of stuff going on in this stuff. You have interviews with Stuart Gore and... Uh, in there and a bunch of other film historians and stuff like that and uh, some of the people who are still alive involved with it unfortunately Don Siegel had passed so he's not in there and there's a, a, a segment with Joe Dante and Larry Cohen. So you have all these like kind of like modern uh, or John Landis is in here too. So you have all these kind of modern like filmmakers that everybody loves or they hold in high regard that are about my age or a little older like Joe Dante, Larry Cohen, Stuart Gordon, John Landis. And uh, they're all in here. And they're all talking about their love for the body snatchers. And uh, it's really they're intelligent directors, intelligent people, everybody on here. There's a thing with uh, Don Siegel's son where he talks about the movie. So it's just a wonderful thing to get the points from uh, the actors and the people involved with it and then a bunch of uh, film historians and then on top of that a bunch of actors and uh, yeah, I mean, directors that I uh, I love and that's pretty cool it's a great movie like I said it's it's one of the you know staples of science fiction and it's just there's not much else you can really say about it. I, I understand that they cut some comedy out of the movie, and there's tons of different name changes for this movie, and there's different... Uh, originally, they didn't want the prologue and the epilogue at the end of the movie, and then they wanted it to end on a downbeat. But, uh, you know, it's a very uh, interesting movie, one of the best science fiction movies of the 50s, and uh, it's been told several times, and it's always told well. It's just a great story. It's a great concept, and it's a terrifying concept, and it always has been, and it always will. Um, and it's a unique movie, like I said, unique vision, and uh, it, this is a great release. It looks good. It sounds good. It's got everybody you'd want who they could get on here and more. So that's Invasion of the Body Snatchers from Olive Films, the signature release. Really like what they did here. It's got a nice slipcover, so uh, check it out, especially if you like the movie. And if you don't like the movie, what's wrong with you? Doctor, will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Make them listen to me before it's too late! Listen to me. Please listen. If you don't, if you won't, if you fail to understand, then the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you! No, no, you've got to get out of here, please! They come 
from another world, spawned in the light years of space, unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet, bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super scope screen. It's whatever intelligence or instinct it is that can govern the forming of human flesh and blood out of thin air is fantastically powerful, beyond any comprehension. A cursed, dreadful, malevolent thing was happening to those he loved. This isn't just an ordinary body, is it? I never saw one like it. It looks unused. The sensational star discovery of the view from Poppy's head. And now an undreamed of horror makes her life and love a vortex of fear. Jack! <laughs> Where do they come from? I don't know. Suddenly, while you're asleep, they'll absorb your minds, your memories. I don't want any part of it. You're forgetting something, Miles. What's that? You have no choice. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spreads. As the unimaginable becomes real, the impossible becomes true. Stop and listen! Stop and listen to me! Listen! Listen! Listen to me! Okay, guys, the next one here is from Olive, uh, Arrow, Olive, Arrow Academy, and this is um, Bloody Spear at Mount Fuji. I'd never seen this movie and not heard much about it. You know, it's not a movie I'm too familiar with. The director actually had a huge career before World War II, and this was his first movie coming back after World War II. He waited some time. This was 1955. And this is a samurai movie, but it's not your traditional honor samurai movie, as the, as the commentary historian would tell you. It's not your typical honor, you know, uh, you know samurai film. This movie follows more for more so than a samurai, uh, the spear holder, the guy who carries his spear, basically a servant of the samurai. And it's the movie starts off on the road of people traveling, and all these people traveling will eventually have their own story arcs, and they all connect, and they all you know go places in the story. Uh, the lead character is a likable person, the guy carrying the spear. He's humble and uh, he loves his uh, master, and. He's nice, he's kind, he's good to people. He um, ends up uh, helping this little kid who's obsessed with him who's carrying a little spear of his own and uh, he takes him under his wing and he treats him well and they form this relationship which is kind of fun in the movie. Uh, the relationship between the spear holder and uh, the samurai is also an interesting one because the samurai is not actually the most noble or the smartest out of everybody in the group. But he um, he drinks and he becomes an idiot. But at times he has a, a streak of kindness to him. And and what the com the historian would say about this movie, this movie is really more so making a statement on you know the hierarchy of samurai and, and stuff and, and and the whole idea of you know people being owning other people and people being having this hierarchy. It was more like a, trying to push socialism in a way, as he's saying in there. And that's kind of interesting, and I kind of see that. I'm just grateful I didn't live in Japan at the time where I'd have to serve a samurai. And, and there's this like blind faith and blind like trust to somebody. It's a sense of loyalty that's not earned. It's just kind of mind-baffling. And uh, that they have this sense of loyalty. I mean, loyalty's good, but only when it's earned, I think, if that makes sense. 
And uh, this is a, it's pretty much, it's comedy. It's played for laughs a lot of the time. We have this thief aspect where there's this thief on the road and uh, they point to one person and it also, not necessarily the the old man is not the guy who you'd think he is and things like that. And that's interesting as well. You know, appearances can be deceiving and that's a big thing in this movie as well. You have like the spear holder being actually the most, you know, um, brave and courageous and strong. And you have this old man who appears to be a thief, but is he a thief? And this cop, not trusting him and that all plays in the end and, and stuff like that it's interesting and and there's some funny moments in here um and as the back of the d uh, blu-ray explains that's what makes the climax so powerful the brutal climax and it's pretty uh well shot it's well choreographed and it's pretty intense and kind of surprising to be honest and uh and he does this with the spear but in the spear you find out something about the spear earlier and it's just it shows, it kind of plays into him. His title is a servant. This spear is it's thought to be amazing, but it's not necessarily where it comes from. But it still does the job just as well as it would if it was some antique. So there's all that playing into it, and that's interesting stuff. Like I said, there's a commentary with the historian, and he does a lot of name-dropping on the actors and the producers and people, what they would go on to do. It's a good commentary. Unfortunately, it's a little wasted on me because this Japanese cinema from this time period and Japanese cinema in general is not really a strong point of mine. But if you, if, if I was a little bit more brushed up on it, uh, I think it would be a little bit better of a commentary for me because he says this actor and that actor. And, and when I watch Italian cinema, I'm familiar with a lot of the actors, or I'm interested more so in it, so I pick up on it. This stuff is just uh, way over my head. Not a bad commentary, just very, very um, heavy in, in, in its um, knowledge, and that's good. And there's some other features on here, too, an interview with the director's son. Um, these are old archival features, and I believe an interview with uh, somebody who actually worked at TOEI and uh, an interview with another person on there. I'm just going to double-check for you guys just to make sure. Uh, oh, Vagrant Filmmaker, French film critic and programmer on there. So that's the line I couldn't remember. So that's all archival stuff. And so if you like the movie, check it out. It's, it's not a, like a well-known movie. It's the first movie of a director. He has come back after World War II, and all his early movies, like he did like 45 earlier movies before World War II, are supposed lost so that's kind of interesting and sad at the same time you know i know that a lot of japanese cinema before the war has been lost forever so that's a uh, bloody spear at mount fuji oh, おもちゃなんかじゃねえ。<笑> いいか。こうしてもすんだろ、こうして。うん。ほら。よし。お前。やれるか?うん。ぐが。ちょっとやってろ。いいか。俺を向いたろ。何?平気でお医者みたいに揉めなんか出さないよ。<笑>いいか。俺はご神様だ。お前嫌いだ。後から<笑> 
Okay, guys, this next one is a double feature. Psycho Biddy, Straight Jacket, and Berserk from Mill Creek. I know uh, that um, Scream Factor recently did Straight Jacket, but this uh, Mill Creek one is much more affordable. No features, but there's that. Uh, this shows, uh, stars, both of them star Joan Crawford uh, from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane fame. And, uh, yeah, these movies right here, these are definitely uh, an interesting pair. Straight Jacket is directed by William Castle. And, you know, I'm not as familiar as William, with William Castle as I'd like to be. I am familiar with The Tingler. Love it. The Tingler's great. But uh, Straight Jacket, uh, Joan um, Crawford uh, catches her husband cheating on her. And um, she loses her mind. And she ends up um, killing her husband and her husband's lover. This puts her in some sort of psychiatric uh, care, and years later she comes out, and uh, 20 years later to meet with her daughter, and who was 8 years old at the time, she witnessed the whole murder, so she's living on a farm with her uncle and her uncle's wife. And uh, a weird uh, farmhand, played by George Kennedy, uh, great performance by George Kennedy, George Kennedy is a class actor, tons of stuff, The Dirty Dozen, tons and tons and tons of stuff. But, um, so, uh, they move in, and there's this strange relationship, Joan, um, she's such an interesting character and her performance is amazing in this movie at first she's really meek she's really sad and uh she she's so you feel terrible for her and the relationship when she meets her daughter and she just starts crying and the daughter's hugging her and you see her face and it's just emotional it's well done the psychological stuff is brilliant at first i i really liked it i was very surprised with it how serious it was and how well done it was and how emotional it made me feel i, I really couldn't believe it so i i really actually Felt pretty strong about this movie at first, and I, I, and I still do. Um, just an amazing performance. And the daughter starts to kind of push her mother into, you know, breaking out of her shell, being more out and, you know, and, and uh, outgoing. So she takes her there and pretties her up, and this kind of reverts her back to how she was, and she becomes uh, almost like sexually aggressive towards her daughter's uh, boyfriend, and that's also interesting. And um, some strange things start to happen, and she's starting to lose her grip on reality, and she's having nightmares, and they're not sure if they should call the doctor, and the doctor just decides to show up. 
and uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but murders start to happen, and uh, people get their lose their heads. It's gorier, I guess, for 1963 than a lot of people would expect. I mean, it's not Hershogor and Lewis at gore, but it also is really well made, so you, you can forgive not having that gore. Some people lose their heads. It looks pretty good. There's an intense moment with George Kennedy and a chicken where um, Joan walks into the farm, and she sees what she's about to do, uh, what George Kennedy's about to do, and he says, you want to do it? And he just, and then that, because she hacked her old lover's head off, her husband's head off, and her lover, and has a, he just see the, the psychological damage happening, and it's it's great. Uh, it's black and white. It looks really good. It sounds good. Um, I love the performances in here. The only thing I I'm not familiar, I'm not too sure if I like the twist. I'm not familiar. I'm not so sure if I like the twist. The twist to me, if it was changed, this would be like a eight out of ten. I loved it, but with the twist, it's like a seven and a half. It's just like I don't know if I like it. It's some a it's a little silly and a little a little too out there and a little too weird. But without the twist, it also makes it seem like a lot like other movies. Uh, but it's great stuff. I like the setting. I like the acting. It's all around great stuff. Like I said, it's really good. When I put those clothes on, something happens to me. Something frightening. From the loneliness and simplicity of an isolated farm to the sophisticated elegance of a country estate, Straight Jacket mounts to a crescendo of electrifying suspense. Sinister. <gasps> Frightening. Bill! Bill! Don't you go in that room! Joan Crawford in a shattering screen portrayal. A frantic woman pressured by Straight Jacket tension. Leave me alone! You let go of me? Listen to me! Just call me Lucy. I wouldn't like my little girl to think I was trying to take her fellow away from her. Carol and Michael are going to be married. And nobody's gonna stop it! Ingeniously designed to shock and startle, Straight Jacket may go beyond the limits of your ability to endure suspense. Mother! He's gone. Tell me. Oh, my God! The author of the famed novel, Psycho. The director of the widely acclaimed chiller, Homicidal. The co-star of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Join forces to create a frightening classic of shock and suspense. The other feature on here, uh, I'm not really familiar with either, 67, called Berserk, also starring Joan. Um, and this one here, I, I think it stars some other people too that people might be familiar with. I'm Michael Goh, yeah, so that's uh, that's great. 
yeah, he's in a bunch of other stuff like Horror, Horror Hospital, I believe he's in, or what is it, Horror Hotel? I can't remember, but he's a classic British actor. This one takes place in the circus. I love movies that take place in the circus, don't get me wrong. It's 67. This movie's in color, has some great set pieces, some really awesome circus stuff going on. Joan runs the circus. She's kind of weird, kind of mean. And again, her daughter comes back from a school. She has problems, so she's starting to work at the circus. You have a wide variety of characters, and murders start to happen, so you don't really know who the actual murderers are. The kills in the movie are really unique and kind of cool, um, but there's not enough of them, to be honest. I don't think there's enough of them. And uh, the story gets a little bit boring here. There's like a lot of drama between uh, people and characters and who's doing the killings and stuff like that. And it starts to lose my interest in it a little bit. I do like, like the setting's good. The acting's fairly solid. I don't think it's nearly as good as Straight Jacket, but it's all right. And uh, it's not as strong at all, all the way around. Like I said, it has it has some nice colors, some nice sets, and a decent story. And I like that it takes place on uh, the circus. And it has a similar ending to Straight Jacket as well, where all signs point to one person, and then, you know, it's not necessarily going to be what you think it is. And uh, I guess it would be too obvious, but you don't really expect these to have the twist that they have. But Berserk, it, it's not particularly great, but it's it's fairly solid and fairly enjoyable. Um, I would recommend this double feature. Straight Jacket's a Amazing. Berserk's okay. One of the most shattering scenes ever filmed. Just one of many in a shocker calculated to drive you berserk. A nightmare of suspense pushes you closer and closer to your shock limit as Joan Crawford finds menace in every shadow. Fear in every footstep. It's becoming a nightmare. I keep wondering and thinking who's next. that pits steel weapons against steel nerves. Okay, guys, the next one is the VHS Voyage. And this week, I'm going to give uh, or show you guys the Prey. Yeah. Okay, I have a Betamax here. Yeah, right here, a Betamax. I actually never had a chance to watch the Betamax, but it is. It's from Thornum EMI. Remember that company? Thornum EMI. And here's my bootleg. Uh, I watched the bootleg because I don't have a Betamax player. 
and it's the Japanese extended cut. This movie is strange. It's a slasher. I think it was made in 78, 80, but it wasn't really released until maybe 84, 88. I don't know. It's kind of up there. So The Prey. Um, there's two cuts in the movie. I watched the 96-minute cut. Probably a mistake. There's an 80-minute cut, which has more nature footage, is my understanding, and that's probably the VHS and Betamax cut that's out there. The 95-minute cut is a Japanese cut with an extended um, uh, prologue where it talks about the kind of flushes out how the how the monster was created and i believe a lot of that footage that's in this cut is in the flashback sequence around the campfire and it's like a 15 minute uh, segment of gypsy uh this gypsy story and how the killer was created and who he is and whatnot so that's pretty much there the movie follows six campers that go out in the woods in the north point i believe and, and some people have been disappearing some problems have been happening there and it's up to um you know them to fight and kind of survive and there is a, a you know a ranger out there who's is he going to get to them before the monster gets to them that's the basic plot of the movie it's got one of the best taglines i've ever seen it's uh what is it it's got it's not human and it's got an axe it is human it's just burnt and it barely uses its freaking axe so Shame on you, tagline. You got me all excited because it's a great tagline. Uh, Carl Buchler uh, does the effects. It's got to be one of the first time he does effects. The effects are pretty good. Uh, there's not enough gore gags in there for my for me, honestly. But um, I think that the uh, creature or design, he is kind of... I guess he might not be human. He's pretty weird looking. Or But uh, he looks really good at the end, I thought, for what it was. Um, this movie's very low budget. The, the setting's great. You know, it's the woods. There's mountains. It looks pretty good. It's very slow. Very bland. Like, and, and they say that the, a lot of the nature documentary or nature stuff is taken out of this cut. Maybe I'm watching a hybrid cut because there's still a lot of shots of just snakes and just here's a newt for five minutes or not five minutes, but 30 seconds. And I don't mind that stuff too much. I kind of like it. You know, I am a cannibal fan, a cannibal film fan. So that always pops up in there. It's like, well, here, hey, here's a bird flying by and here's a anaconda. I don't mind that stuff. Um, but, uh, it's kind of funny if it was the 80 minute cut and had all that stuff in there, you're like, there's not much happening in this movie, but, uh, the flashback is strange, strange stuff. Like I said, it's like 50, it's like 20 minutes long. And at one point I said, what is happening here? What is happening here? While I was watching it, it's almost like a completely different movie. And it has like the, the feel of a TV movie, this flashback. We have the story of these, uh, good old boys who don't like these gypsies. This guy's like, one of your wife's going to get raped by one of these gypsies. The wife sleeps with one of the gypsies free for, on her own free will and she lies to her husband that i was raped so these guys go burn down the gypsy uh place and they burn everybody dies including them according to the story but one person survived a young mongoloid kid who's very large and he's burned up and that's who's doing the killing there's no secret about who's doing the killing um there's like i said a couple gore effects here and there the acting ranges sometimes it's okay sometimes it's really terrible sometimes the dialogue's really bad really really bad dialogue um all in all, it's a standard slasher. There's a really great uh, climactic moment on a mountain, which is kind of horrifying, kind of cool. Um, and uh, there's a really weird kind of comedy between the rangers. Like, I mean, this probably was made in the 78, and that, they used to do that kind of stuff a lot. Think Last House on the Left, think Town that Dreaded Sundown. And by 78, you think it would be kind of dying out. But here, there's just this weird kind of funny comedy moment between the rangers. Not bad. Not too out of place compared to those other movies. But, you know, there's that going on, too. It's okay. It's not horrible. It's not great. It's a standard slasher movie. I mean, I, I you've seen it before. It's not going to win you over if you don't like slashers. It's not as good as something like Mad Mad, I don't think, or The Burning, of course, or for any of the Friday the 13th. But it's there. 
And if you're a slasher completist, I would check it out. I like slashers myself. I enjoyed it. I didn't. Uh, the flashback has the most nudity in it. There's two scenes of nudity, and then there's one scene of nudity here. So there's a little TNA, and uh, you know some shirtless uh, kids, uh, a bunch of kids playing in this fountain thing. Uh, not kids. I don't sound like a bunch of kids in a fountain. They're teenagers. They're age. They're probably like early twenties. They might even be older than that, to be honest. But they're probably playing early twenties. They're probably like thirty. But the prey. It's all right. Man, am I ready for tonight? First, you uh, play it real cool, and then slip it right to her. guys the pick a movie i think was by james grammar and he picked frailty uh directed by bill paxton maybe um uh maybe his only movie he directed i'm not too sure i might have drawn another one but it's directed by bill paxton stars bill paxton stars matthew mcconaughey and uh powers booth so it's got some uh, some good actors in there you know i love all those guys they're all good and uh okay this is a, a kind of a cool story kind of unique story came out in like what 2000 2001 we have uh Matthew McConaughey wanders in the FBI station and tells Powers Booth, I know who this serial killer is, the Hand of God killer. And he's like, okay, I'll bite. So he starts to tell the story. Matthew McConaughey seems insane. He tells him that uh, I was the kid, uh, I was a kid and my dad used to kill these people. He said they were demons and he got a, a line from God. And, um, and his brother's grown up to be the, you know, a killer himself. And he's going around killing these people. And as the story elaborates, uh, he tells him he's going to show him where the bodies are. That's all I'm going to get into. Most of the movie is kind of like half of it's a flashback, half of it's modern day, more so a flashback. Bill Paxton does great as the kind of like a sympathetic, uh, crazy person. Um, he's scary, but you like him because it's Bill Paxton and he kind of pulls in. The relationship with the kids are great. The kids are very good in this movie, the two kid actors in the, the uh, early stuff. And I like the storyline. It's, it's really good. And uh, he's supposedly killing these demons, and he's but they look like people. So there's that aspect. Is dad crazy? Is this really happening? Um, and, yeah, yeah, and then there's a twist of course you got to have a twist in a movie like this and the twist is really good and it's really strong and it's not one of those that ruin the movie it makes the movie it makes it good powers booth always good math mcgonaghy good them going back and forth kind of got their own both little texan things going on on here without saying too much i don't want to spoil that much but it's very well made and there's nothing wrong with the movie it's not gratuitously gory uh it's got a lot of suspense it's got a lot of uh you know thought-provoking things going on here i've always enjoyed it and it's just been a long time since i i got to rewatch it i'm not sure who that is on the cover once i think about it, it doesn't look like matt mcconaughey to me it doesn't look like <laughs> and i don't know who it is because that guy's not in the movie but um uh 
it's just it's just a really strong film. Like I said, it's not over long, doesn't wear out its welcome. And the more I talk about it, the more likely I will spoil it. But uh, you know, it, it's it's there's nothing wrong with it at all. There's a commentary on here, three different commentaries. I listened to the, some of the features, some of the deleted scenes where they cut out a lot of the comedy in the movie. One of the kids was more so the comic relief. They cut a lot of that out. And uh, I'm not sure if I I'm happy they did or but it was nice seeing it. Uh, Bill Paxton does a commentary. It's it's not interesting to hear Bill Paxton talk because he's you know such an, a good actor. He's in so many things. So to see him do a commentary was uh, kind of interesting about a movie. You know he talks about references they had like Psycho and things like that. And you know he does definitely seems like he likes you know the genre, not the gory stuff, but he he wanted to keep it you know a little bit you know less violent and do more of the suspense thing and it works uh, I, I was happy with the movie no complaints and revisiting it you know you never know what you're gonna get you know it's been since it came out so i, I wasn't too sure but uh i always liked the movie and then i had fond memories of it and they haven't changed it's good it's good stuff and it's, it's one of these kind of thriller suspense movies you know i like lots of different movies it's one you could show anybody and anybody will be like yeah that's a good movie i like that and uh i think people will kind of appreciate it um it's good stuff nothing wrong with it at all You the agent in charge of the case? That's right. What can I do for you, man? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. And listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the God's Hand Killer is. What makes you think that? You hadn't even heard me out yet, and already you doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. Go do some homework. To love him. To trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until... Wake up. I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. The angel told me that God would be sending weapons. Maybe you just dreamed it. Maybe you're not right in the head. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. Dad made up this whole thing. Do you understand? Well, if it has to be done, has to be done. Is that true? Why would I make it up? It's all a big lie. I don't want to run away. You are hiding something from me. What is it you think I'm hiding? When I lay my hands on them, I'll reveal them for what they truly are. I got a pretty good idea of them bodies are. I'll tell. Craziest thing I've heard in a long time. Ah! Check the Rose Garden. I don't believe a word of it. But it's true. Bill Paxton. Those were demons. Why can't you see that? Matthew McConaughey. Tell me the truth. Sometimes truth defies reason. You're crazy! Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you? Okay, guys, we're going to do the Pick-A-Movie. And like I said, if you want to enter the Pick-A-Movie, just leave a comment on Screaming Toilet. Basically, you get the Pick-A-Movie for me to review or on YouTube. Um, I'll, if you do enter, I'm going to enter you into a new bag. OD666 is the new ent the first entry in the new bag. But uh, this is the old bag. It's going to get completely drawn out, so everybody's going to get their chance. Because there's so many names in here, I'm starting to feel bad. Adding the same names in, and then these people don't get drawn. So who's it going to be? I got one. Who is it? Matt Brown. Not the MMA fighter Matt Brown, but Matt Brown. There you go. Hope you can see that. So let me know what you want me to watch. 
Okay, I'm going to answer some questions that were asked of me. Uh, here we go. Questions. Melissa Mayhem. Hey Dave, great video as always. I just watched The Batman. I was wondering, did you do any particular workouts to get ripped? I've kind of been in a funk when it comes to working out. Is there anything you completely cut out of your diet? Um, I don't eat beef. I don't eat pork. I don't drink pop. Uh, those are just things I always never do. I always exercise. I'm always exercising. I'm not always as ripped as I was in a bad man because it, it's hard to keep up like being ripped all the time. You just get angry. You get depressed. It's just not good for you. You get sick a lot if you don't have much fat in your diet at all. But I mean, I do have cheat days now. But what I did there was I, um, I if you're trying to gain muscle, but like stay lean, um, count your calories, figure out how many calories you need to maintain your weight. You don't really want to lose weight if you're trying to gain muscle. But to maintain your kind of weight or put a little bit extra weight in there, I um, did 1.5 my own weight in protein. So I weighed about 160 at the time, 165, somewhere around there. I'm at six foot, 160, 165. So I, what I would do is I'd eat about 240, 245 grams of protein every day. And I'd keep it about 3,000 calories. I also do cardio. So I do like 28 minutes of cardio five days a week, 45 minutes of cardio one day a week, and then I take one day off of the cardio. I work out somewhat every day, some kind of aspect. But I, uh, you know, what I did was uh, I noticed I had some weak spots. I figured my arms were my weakest, so I added in an arm regimen. Just a little, just a small little exercise every day that I did, uh, where I did like three sets of 21, um, stuff like that. Just add in things, find your weak spots and add them in. Um, but if you, I would cut out certain things and have maybe a cheat day every, if you're trying to be super fast and you want fast results, maybe have a cheat day once every, once a month. But um, count your calories and eat high protein, stuff like that. Avoid high calorie items that don't have much, uh, you know, substantial value to them uh peek and boo just started the video being a bit drunken so sue me anyone but 116 people have watched 15 minutes 15 thumbs up and two thumbs down what the f uh i wanted to address this because i think it's kind of funny there's always two thumbs down in my videos it's probably somebody maybe i share in groups and they're like i hate seeing this asshole in this group i don't like this guy wish you would stop sharing it thumbs down but I'd like to think it's even funnier than that i'd like to think that people are watching the video and be like oh i don't like what he said about the movie thumbs down and they always watch my videos. They just always like find something to dislike about it. So they give me a thumbs down. I don't know. If you give it a thumbs down, you give it a thumbs down. It's not going to really bother me. But it would be nice to get some constructive criticism with a thumbs down. Like I gave it a thumbs down because you forgot to mention this. You did a really poor, poor job talking about the score. You didn't talk about the score. I can you not do that? You mentioned this actor, but it's actually this actor. If you're going to give me a thumbs down, please give me a reason. I just want to know. It's not like I'm going to die over it, but I do think it's kind of funny. Um, but then he asked another question. Uh, but the double feature carry uh, one and two, you mentioned uh, the first, not sure, is the TV movie. Is that the one starring Jodel Fer uh, Ferlin? I have a bootleg of that with Miss Ferlin. Just curious since now. I think there's only one Carrie remake, and this is definitely the TV remake. So there's four Carrie movies, if my understanding. Carrie from 76 by Brian De Palma. Um, the sequel, Rage, Carrie 2, uh, which is on that disc. Uh, TV remake which is on that disc, and then the remake, uh, the bigger remake, which I haven't seen, or I don't know. I haven't seen the uh, any of the Carrie remakes, TV or not, but I believe it's the same remake. Um, Mr. Snickers, 21, or, um, yeah, okay, mailbag question. Have you backed any of the Ryan Nicholson films, uh, specifically Gutterballs 2 or 3? I spent $100 years ago for Blu-ray copies of Part 2 and 3 that were supposed to come in on a bowling bag, but he can't seem to finish Part 2. This seems to be an ongoing issue with him and his company, Plot Digger Films. Did you get burned as well? Do you have any uh, pull to get us an update? Um, you know, I've talked to Ryan in the past, and he's a nice guy. I know that um, uh, 
Moods already answered your question underneath and uh, he pretty much covered a lot of this. But for other people that may have saw it or other people that are wondering, I know that he's been working on it. And I know that Ryan had some health scares and health trouble with uh, he had a brain tumor. So there, that, that completely changed everything for a while. I, I do think he'll get it out. It's been taking a long time. And at times he has not been the best about keeping people updated. But, you know, horror fans do get upset when they don't get their stuff. And I don't blame them. I did donate. I don't remember how much I donated. I don't even remember what I'm supposed to get. I probably don't even live at the address when I donated. So, but, uh, you know, I don't have any hard feelings toward Ryan. I would understand that people did, though. And I do think it will come out eventually. And uh, I, I do think he's working on it. And uh, he probably gets a lot of messages about it. So he probably, he might have been, I know he, uh, one person got really upset with him because he said some something. It's been a long drawn out thing and i know let me address something like her name was torment too by dustin mills mills is working on it and uh, i know there's probably a couple people that maybe didn't get it because the change of address or some sort of loop uh, loop or something but if you do contact him if you do want to go out contact him and ask him just be polite i mean i know i don't want to tell you how to act but maybe you did already but if you contact him and say hey i ordered this i never got this here's my receipt or something like check your emails i'm sure he'll work with you i'm sure he'll make it right so i, I I'm, I'm sure ryan's gonna try to make it right but uh, we'll see. David Leather. First, have you seen Forbidden Zone with Herbe? Um, yes, I have. I think I reviewed Forbidden Zone a while back. Crazy movie. Really like it. Nick Mua by Richard Elfman. Danny Elfman's brother. Nick Mua. Which three horror cult movies are a must watch before one dies? Oh, that's a good one. Night of the Living Dead. It's got to be on there. Night of the Living Dead's got to be on there. What are some other cult ones? Cult movies. That's so hard for me to decide. Oh, I only would say I only have one. I'd be like Night of the Living Dead, man. When it comes to horror movies, there's a few I could say that you got to see. But cult movies is so more such more more difficult for me to mention. I, I really can't decide three three cult movies. There's so many cult movies. I mean, I would say Eraserhead, and then maybe something completely off the wall. Like you got to see something completely off the wall, like Eraserhead. Night of the Living Dead, I mean, of course, and then maybe like a racer head is a cult movie, but I, it's so many different cult movies. I can give you three horror movies, uh, Night of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and and what else would be another one to throw in there? I don't know. I, it's impossible for me to answer. I'm just going to give you one, Night of the Living Dead. What's the worst part about indie filmmaking? Um, that's a good one, too, by Nick Mua. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I've only worked with a handful of people, and I've been lucky. For the most part, uh, Dustin and Scott, they're both great, you know, and then like Rumler and stuff. He's good too. Good guy. Like enjoyed working with him. It's fun stuff. And you know, like, um, Adam Clevenger, those people are really good. I know those people, you know, kind of have a, I'm, I'm friends with them or have a friendly relationship with them. But you know, sometimes like I see other actors or other indie filmmakers talking and they, they act like, <laughs> like gods, like they don't like interact like with everybody. Like, you know, I, I have a YouTube channel and I went to conventions, so I know other people and I know how other indie movies sell across United States more so. But people that are like stuck in their own little like, you know, I'm only from Toledo or I'm only from this area bubble. It, it, they don't seem to know how little their movies get out there on a global scale or more so. They might sell a couple copies overseas here and there, but a lot of people get out there big. Like Fred Vogel's everywhere. The August Underground movies, they're everywhere. But Fred doesn't act like he's some sort of god or anything. But some people do. Like, they act like they're big league, like, people when they talk to them. Like, yeah, we got promoted. Yeah, it's just like, dude, 
Don't, I know maybe you got to act super professional, and I don't have a problem with acting professional, but don't act like you are the end-all, be-all of independent filmmaking when you made one backyard movie for $500 or $10,000 even or something like that. Just, you know, be genuine. Just be genuine. What do you think about Jeepers Creepers 3? Which is, that's the worst thing, is egos. Egos, down a short answer. What did you think about Jeepers Creepers 3? Which is actually Jeepers Creepers 2, apparently. I don't really have interest in Jeepers Creepers uh, 3. I saw it for $2 on Blu-ray at a family video, and I said, nah. So, if that tells you anything, just don't really have much interest in watching that. Um, okay. Uh, today... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna read seven uh, film entries again because those are the questions we're continuing the contest. These are the last ones going to be entered, um, so that will be the questions I'll be answering you. But I do have a question for you guys next week that I would like you guys to answer on the screaming toilet of YouTube below. Um, which actor slash actress would you like to have seen live a little longer? You know, which one died before their time? Which which person that you love personally that you loved watching and you're like, man, I wish. You know, whether it be Heath Ledger, James Dean, Warren Oates, John Candy, Chris Farley, any of these guys, you wanted to see live 10, 15, 20 years longer. And, and don't pick somebody who died at 78 or 90 or something like that, okay? Like, I just loved him. I want to see more of them. Yeah, I mean, come on. You, nah. you pick somebody who died, you know, before they were 60, before they were 70, you know, at least before they were 60, you know? Pick somebody like that. Somebody who died before their time that you just felt was just... Could have been utilized a lot more. For me, it's Warren Oates. It's got to be Warren Oates and like, it's, or John Candy. It's just like, I would have liked to see them go on, or Chris Farley. I can't pick one. Those are the ones that stand out to me. Those three. Like, I man, it's like, I just think about it and I'm like, ugh, it just bothers me, like a little bit. You know, it bothers me. Those ones kind of bother me. Like, I didn't live throughout the time of, uh, you know, Warren Oates, but I do distinctly remember John Candy dying. I was like four or five. That's the bottle under there. Um, but I remember him dying. And I remember keeping a newspaper clipping. That's a kid. He's like a five-year-old. I was like, John Candy. I love John Candy growing up. Chris Farley, too. Bum me out. Both of them bum me out as a kid. I was pretty young when they both died, but bum me out. So which actor or actress died before their time? Would you would like to see made more movies? Could you, and, and, and if you want to take it a step farther, pick an actor who died before their time or actress and name a director you would have loved to see them work with. Like, imagine, like, some of these guys working with Tarantino that died before their time or getting like, being a Coen's brother movies or something, a Coen brother movies or something like that. How cool would that be? Or seeing, like, some of these uh, horror character actors popping up, like Brian James in a Rob Zombie movie. How cool would that have been? Stuff like that, you know? Or, yeah, stuff like that. Okay, I'm going to name your Severn entries, your question. What was your favorite Severn release? And then we'll do the drawing right afterwards. I'm going to do one of these deals where we do a ram randomizer for that. Severn film entries. Sean, favorite seven release is Santa Sangre. Good one. Melissa Mayhem, my favorite favorite seven release is a toss between Vampire Lesbos and Eaten Alive. Uh, terrific reviews. My favorite seven um, uh, release is Inglorious Bastards because of the nostalgia from watching it with my grandfather. And I was so happy when they put it out. That's a good story. Um, what's that? Ray Strop. My favorite seven release is The Wild Beast because I've always loved this movie since I saw it on VHS. I kept waiting for a DVD release, which never came. Seven released it on Blu-ray with great bonus features and looks and sounds great. These reasons are why it is my favorite Severn Blu-ray release. Um, Andre Espinoza, Horror Reviews. My favorite Seven release is The Sinful Dwarf. It's sleazy and depraved on every possible level. The Dwarf, however, was hilarious. I also love the artwork of the Blu-ray release. <laughs> that movie's great. I have more toys upstairs. Uh, Dev uh, Devlin's Domain. 
Hard to narrow it down to just one favorite, but if I must, I'll have to go with Santa Sangre. I'm a huge fan of Jodorowsky and his artistic touch on the horror genre. Is unlike anyone, uh, anything else out there. I was a carny for a short time and have been in pro wrestling scene for a decade, so I can relate to the setting and the eccentric characters. It's probably my second favorite Jodorowsky film. Holy Mountain is my favorite. I, I, my, I Myself, I know you didn't ask, but Santa Sangre or El Topo. John Bludgeoned. I fucked up. I put my contest entry on ST's message and not the post, so here it is. My favorite Severn release is Dr. Butcher, a.k.a. Zombie Holocaust. I love the 42nd Street documentary that's on it. Also great extras, even if the movie it's not the greatest. Hey, it's the best. It's Zombie Holocaust. I like it. Uh, Fred Rojo, favorite Severn is Eaten Alive. The Mimi Lay doc is great. That was pretty cool. She had disappeared for a while. John Johnson. Please, is that a real name, John Johnson? I'm just kidding. I, you probably get that all the time. Please enter me in the Severn contest. My favorite Severn film is Hardware. Love it because Lemmy is in it. Big Motorhead fan. It's pretty cool. Uh, Andy uh, Schumacher uh, contest. I hope that's right. Or is it Schumacher? 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 I'm a moron. Uh, my favorite Severn release is Eaten Alive because of the special features and all the goodies that come with it. Okay. Are you guys ready? Let's do a Ramnizer for it. I have everybody's name on this thing. Let me pull it up. I should have been much more prepared than this, but you guys are going to see me pull it up. We have 32 names on the list. Numbers, we're going to go through. If I can figure this out, because I just did it. We're going to do 1 through 32. Okay. And uh, I didn't just do it yet, but 19 popped up. It's not going to be 19. I'm going to shake it. I think shake it does it, so. Doesn't that do it? Or do I got to tap it? I don't know what I'm doing. All right, we'll do the redo. Sorry, it's 14. 14 is the redo. And that is J. Mitchell Beard. Here we go. J. Mitchell Beard, shoot me your address. I didn't want to use the first one because it's the first one that popped up and it's just like right automatic. It doesn't really count. It's right before you even put anything in and shake it. It was already there. So... I don't, I don't know if that seems unfair, but it's just the way it's going to be. Because um, I didn't even get a chance. I thought oh, I wanted to show you guys shake it. So this is the first one that I did personally before it just popped up on its own. So that is 14, J. Mitchell Beard. Okay, everybody's name on there. You win the Anthropophagus and the Absurd Blu-rays. So uh, let me know your address and I'll send them out ASAP. Okay, guys, let's hop into the update. Okay, guys, let's hop into the update. First is Killer's Moon by Redemption. I saw this. This is a British 78 movie. I saw this a long time ago. Me and my friend uh, Joe watched it. Not uh, just Joe or average Joe, but uh, different Joe. Um, he thought it was actually better than I did. I was never particularly fond of this movie. Three escaped uh, convicts kid, uh, torture these girls. But, uh, you know, I'm willing to give it another chance, and I like that company. We have uh, the Affixer. I'm, the, I'm not even going to try. This is a word I need to see or hear pronounced out loud, and then I'd be like, oh my god, I can't believe it's that, and I'd feel really stupid. But yeah, I have the DVD, never watched it. What do we got? Uh, the Blood Beast Terror. This is cheap. This movie's pretty bad. This is the one with the bat creature, I think. Uh, this is a silly movie with Peter Cushing. Been a long time. Well, not too long. I watched it on Netflix years back, so I had the DVD, though. We have by a Jess Franco one, the Diabolical Dr. Z. Not had a chance to see this one. It's a black and white. 
It's an old one from Kino. Or Redemption, which is Kino. Then we have Bad Ronald from Warner Archive. Blu-ray here. Uh, never had a chance to see this. I bought this on DVD. Never watched it. But now it's time to watch it in HD. That's been happening a lot. Like I Movies, I'm like, I need to watch those. And then I'm like, oh, they got a Blu-ray coming. I'll just watch them then. Uh, Revenge of the Cheerleaders. Got this pretty cheap. It was a code red. Not had a chance to watch it. I don't think I've seen the first Cheerleaders. And I have two of them. I don't have the first one. I have uh, this one and uh, the Cheerleaders Wild Weekend or something like that. I've seen Swinging Cheerleaders, which I'm related. Then we have uh, Murders in a Rug Morgue and The Dunwich Whore by Shout Factory, Scream Factory. Got a good price on this. I like these double features. They're pretty cool. Ooh, we have The Phantom of the Opera with Robert England. And, you know, I bought this on uh, eBay. And should I say something? Look, they didn't ever mention it had a UPC punched. But it is punched. And it's not too big of a deal for me, but you should mention that. I think I, I toy. I don't want to be petty, but I'm toying. Do I give the guy a positive or a neutral review? Then we have the two from Scream Team releasing The Barn on Blu-ray. I have the DVD. Watched this one last year. Really enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed it enough that I was like, uh, I gotta watch this in HD for Halloween. Cool stuff. I guess it's not a perfect movie, but I think it's special and I liked it. And we have Bong of the Living Dead again from Scream uh, Team releasing. I'm just going to check out some of these releases, these guys. I know that they have uh, Doomsday or White Doomsday coming out, um, which is by uh, Mike Lombardo. Lombardo, I see. I always follow him on Facebook, so I'm interested. I'm definitely going to pick that one up. That movie looks pretty cool. But Bong of the Living Dead. That's uh, back to um, that's the update, whatever I'm doing. But that's all I got for you guys, so back to the video. Who does this, guys? It's a shout-out. All right, guys. Thank you very much for watching, and as always, you guys have a good one. Hey guys, right now we're going to do something special. I'm here with my friend, Keith Floyd Jr., and we're going to talk about a movie that is near and dear to our heart, the exploitation classic, the Mac Daddy Cannibal movie, y'all. It may not have been the first cannibal movie, but it is the biggest. It's, it's the, the best. best. It is the best. The Ruggiero Diodato film, Cannibal Holocaust. I know everybody's talking about Cannibal Holocaust, but lately I've not heard many people talk about this movie. Like it goes in like phases. Like when they released the Grindhouse DVD, it was big, and then like it disappeared, and then the Blu-ray, and then it's like nobody talks about it. For a I little feel bit. like it's one of the ones. It's one of the first extreme movies a lot of people watch. Like yeah. in the first couple that when they're first getting into it, because when you Google like the most fucked up it movies, it's, up. it's always on the. We list. talked about that with Natural Born Killers. It's definitely one of the ones. Yeah. But what's funny is. The title, Cannibal Holocaust, stands out. You're like, that sounds so stupid. It almost sounds like a heavy metal grindcore band or something yeah. like Cannibal uh, uh, Cannibal Corpse or Necrophagia. Like one of those extreme bands. You're like, what is that? Cannibal Holocaust. And then you Holocaust. watch the movie, you're like, oh, there's a Holocaust of cannibals in it. And it's just like, it, it fits the movie and it sounds like so much more intelligent than it is after you've seen it. But at first, honestly, it's like, that sounds like trash. I'm not going to see that. It looks, sounds stupid. Well, I'm sure back in like the day when it first came out, 1980, I think um, there wasn't a lot of metal bands and stuff, so it no, probably no. didn't sound like how we yeah, would exactly, interpret it exactly. now. Exactly, because when we hear it, we would probably would associate it with like stupid metal band names. I saw this when I was 16 in 2003 for the first time ever on a bootleg VHS that I think was taken off a laser disc, and it looked pretty good. I've never seen this movie look bad, to be honest. When's the first time you saw it? I saw it when I was 14. Uh, the Grindhouse DVD yeah. I bought. And, uh... And what, 2007? 2007, I think, yeah. Right right around the same time I watched Clockwork Orange, uh, Pink Flamingos. I um, saw this 
the same Spit night. on your grave. I watched Cannibal Ferox back to back. This first, I walked out of the room in a daze. I walked out. I still lived at home. I was sixteen, and I was like, everything changed for me. I, mean, <laughs> I was like, I was out of breath. I was like, Ma, just so. You don't want to, you can't tell her about it. The like, I mean, yeah, you should have I should have never saw that. I remember ordering it from this place called Bloodstorm Video. It was like online. You had a list of uh, a bunch of movies on there to order. And I'd be like, you don't have Cannibal Holocaust on this, but can you get it for me? He's like, I'm not supposed to because it's going to like this, but I'll do it. And I was like, yes. And I remember when it came, it just changed my mind that black clamshell. I ended up giving that VHS tape that I had to my uh, <laughs> dog, what is it? 11th grade film teacher, I gave it to him, and he watched it. Wow. See, I got, uh, I just got my, I got the Grindhouse DVD from just like a buyback store, like a, <laughs> Somebody a DVD store, yeah, resale, resale. The, I mean, there's so much stuff to talk about with this movie. I mean, let, you want to start with the obvious, the, uh, the Riz Ortolani score? That's probably the best part about the movie. One it, of the best parts It's about got it. the best juxtaposition of all time. Like, it's got that beautiful, like, heart-wrenching score it just makes you it brings tears to your eyes and then it, does, it has yeah. the brutal violence and but it also has that like primal yeah there's like, definitely different layers to the score yeah. it, it's a, it's an amazing score Riz Ortolani is like is the best I remember Joe said like Ennio Morricone you know he's the best but I like Riz better like you know it's like the same thing with More Dario like and Lucio you know what I mean like I was like Dario's better but I like Lucio yeah, that's the same way like yeah. I love Riz and Ennio Morricone I love they're both great but Oh, Riz is so special, and that score is just so so powerful. It is like it's it's like entrancing when you listen to it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just, it's very it's very sexy, and like you said, the juxtaposition with the murder and all the things that you're so seeing. awful. It's, and it's beautiful music. Like that you're it hurts your soul. It literally hurts your soul. That movie opens up with the wonderful uh, the big Amazon, all the Amazon room, yeah. all that stuff, and it's just it's a beautiful opening, and you're just like. And the story structure of this movie is just fascinating. The whole, obviously, the found footage, but the opening, it starts off, and it has them looking for the lost filmmakers with legendary porn actor Robert Bola, a.k.a. Robert Kerman. Is it Bola? I think is his actual Arbola, yeah. Yeah, Arbola, but Robert Kerman, who also pops up in two other cannibal movies, Eaten Alive by Umberto Lenzi, yeah. Cannibal Ferox by Umberto Lenzi, and some other bigger films like Spider-Man and Night of the Creeps and stuff like that, but uh, good actor. And it opens up looking for these lost filmmakers who went to go make like a, a Mondo movie in the jungles, and they had a, a bad reputation of how they treated people and whatnot, and uh, they disappeared. And basically, the first half of this movie is searching for the footage; the second half is watching the footage. It's kind of like way ahead of its time with a lot of stuff, like the found footage, yes. the documentary kind of style filmmaking. Even how like the beginning of the movie, the first half of the movie takes place. After the second half of the yeah, movie, yeah, 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 like so, it's just like it's they, they did a lot of cool, interesting things, and I wonder about the music. Going back to the music, I wonder if he was at all inspired by like a Clockwork Orange, because you know he's like the singing in the rain, rape scene and stuff, and the classical which, music, which, and that yeah, which yeah. Stanley Kubrick. Did. But I think that's always been a thing to show like the beauty with like. Horrible I wonder things. when it started, though, is what I'm saying. I mean, Dario was known for that, like, doing the the beautiful imagery with murder and death yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But it, it's so different like that. But, uh, like, and also, the movie, the whole idea of what it is, it, it is an 
it's, I want to say it's almost disguised as an exploitation movie, but it really is an exploitation movie about the exploitation of humans by the media. Yep. By some would say, by they do this by exploiting a tribe in the jungle. But in reality, listening to the commentary and stuff, they said like a lot of those people in the jungle were wearing jeans and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. They, they were more civilized than what the people watching would want you to believe. Yeah. But it, it does feel like it's the inception of exploitation. The movie disguised as an exploitation is made by exploiting yeah. is made about exploiting the media exploiting you know people you gotta the whole line in the one movie that the the head executive says sums up the whole motives for his making the movie you gotta Today, wait their senses to get their, 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 their yeah. Yeah. and that's so true for the whole movie that's what everything's about it's so inspired by like the crooked like media and stuff and he was attacking it and those Mondo films like Mondo Connie made by what uh, Franco Prosperi or yeah. how you say his name and and that that stuff, they would stage these scenes in those movies, and they, those movies are so powerful. And now, I think Riz Ortolani did the scores on that too, right? He did, yeah, he did. And uh, he definitely, and and that stuff's so powerful, and it's so staged. And that's what and they do that in the the found footage of Cannibal Holocaust. And it's I, I really like the final line of the film. I of course, I wonder who the, the real cannibals, cannibals are. are. And I think. Um, I think it's probably the smartest of, of all the cannibal movies. Well, it's it, I always it's said, the most intelligent. I always said like this is the Night of the Living Dead of the cannibal movies, which is like impactful and strong. Yeah. And Cannibal Ferox is like Return of the Living Dead, like yeah. campy and fun. <laughs> Even though it's I don't want to say it's campy and fun because it's repulsive and it has the real animal deaths in it as well. But like Cannibal Holocaust is a very impactful, important film. I think while the other ones are some of them are good and. Entertaining, even though they're repulsive at the same time, but not nearly as good. Yeah, I mean, Holocaust is sleazy, but it feels real. I don't really. I wouldn't view it as sleazy because there's the, there's no like all the nudity that's there doesn't feel gratuitous to me. It feels real, and like the it's characters not... feel real. They don't feel over the top to me. I f- I feel like it's not. I feel like it's a legitimately just like kind of fucked up film. I agree, but it's definitely a movie to shock your sensibilities, to yeah. get your attention. And and obviously they I can't justify the animal killings. And I can't ju- we can't justify it, but it's already done, it's already been done. And they ate the animals though. It's not the same. It's not the same. You can't eat the muskrat. They just like ripped its guts out and tossed it and then, you know, I mean that really wasn't eaten. I mean, but and and at the time the turtle. it's a different time. We didn't understand how endangered turtles were, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not speaking. It's, it's disgusting and repulsive, no matter what. It, it makes me feel sick, but I still love the movie so much because of that. Because not because I, I the movie loses impact without the animal deaths. Because you see the animals killed for real, so when you see the humans killed for real, you associate that real as it like that, validates. The, you think it's the, real, yeah. You know, and obviously we know that Ruggiero went to trial and got in trouble and actually served jail time and stuff yeah, because of this movie. Knows about that. That's that's common knowledge, but. Uh, some of the characters in this movie are tremendous. Um, I love Robert Kerman, but uh, we were talking about the guide who brings him in. Jocko is his name? Yeah, the guide. They're, uh, not Felipe, but no, the, no. the guide of Robert Kerman. Robert Kerman's guy, great, Jocko. Great actor. Great I love that guy. I so wonder he's just what, like a tough guy. I wonder what his mistake was. Yeah, yeah. He seems like he could do a real, like, I bet he's a tough guy. We're going to need some weapons, keep you some ammunition. <laughs> That's a really good line. That's all we need. That's beautiful. I like the like line. Uh, In there, the more you carry, the, the quicker you get tired. The more you carry, the quicker you get tired, the quicker you die. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Yeah. I already told your friends that earlier, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's wonderful and whatnot, and uh, and of course uh, the four filmmakers that go and their relationship is so wonderful. Yeah, like, they're and, all good. Yeah, and they're, they, there's like a level of viciousness. Like Faye just wants to be famous at all cost, 
But she's a monster too. Alan Yates is just so evil. And that scene where he's Watch like, I'm sure it's got to be the most, one of the most powerful scenes in there when the woman's on the pipe. Oh, good and Lord. they're filming and he's up standing, it's, smiling, he's watching Alan for filming. It's unbelievable. Like, it's, oh, what terrible. It's, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's so wonderful. And I always felt I like that guy was like the exploitation Tom Cruise. They do they even kinda of look like Yeah, like because Tom Cruise is found respect these and you actually think it's like free like it's got a sneaky I don't know why, but and uh we were talking like Jack Anders and uh, Mark Tommaso. Well you were saying you think Mark's like the Mark may be the most sadistic. When Felipe gets his leg bitten up, he's like, Cut off my leg. They cut off my leg. I always remember that line. Yeah. Mark is almost like smiling and he's looking at the camera when they're cutting off his leg and uh um, Alan, when he asks, when uh, Jack gets injured with a spear, he says, um, is this what you want? And Mark says, yeah, or something like that, and nods, and he shoots him. Yeah. And, and what about the scene? Um, it, it always cracks me up because Oliver Stone was like, well, Platoon's based on what happened to me in Vietnam. I was like, what, did you watch Cannibal Holocaust in Vietnam? It wasn't even out yet because the scene in the village is verbatim that scene, and I've always said that. Yep, yeah, even the music, is. the burning of the village, the shooting of the pig, it's yep. verbatim. It's That's the same scene. It's taken directly from it. I wonder if he did see Ken. I guarantee. If he didn't see it, somebody like wrote that part out. of the script for him and saw it. Yeah, it would have been out. Right? Yeah, it's six years before. Yeah. Wow, I never really thought about that. It's either. the same scene. Yeah. Verbatim, and like you know, it's so, so twisted. I love Platoon. Did you? Oh, it, it's a pretty good one. Did you ever listen to any of the, uh, the commentaries on this? On Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I listened to all of the ones on the Grindhouse. Yeah, uh, Robert Kerman does not like this movie. I know, yeah. He, he was talking about it, he's like, he tried to tell him to cut out the muskrat. Well, he and Ruggiero, in the commentary, right, they kind of argue a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Thing. And we just had that same argument. Like, you were like, well, they hate him, and I'm like, yeah. it's not the same. They had the same argument. I mean, it's such a, it's such a like, hard road to go down. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, but it always cracks me up when people will... Won't mention anything else like Food of the Gods, where they. I know it's not the same as the sea turtle, but they massacre hundreds of rats, and it's like I, Cannibal Holocaust has something to say. Food of the Gods has nothing to say. I mean, it it's like oh, don't mess with science. Yeah, they chopped that bull's head off, right? Yeah, they chopped. Well, I don't think it fully comes off, but they split yeah. it like right down the neck. That's pretty pretty cruel. That's a, like a huge, big budget mainstream film, Nobody's and it yeah. gets overlooked all the time. Overlooked. So, I mean, it depends who you are, you know? Going back to the actors, though, um, Mark's father, oh, which we were talking we, about. That's our favorite scene. Yeah. We do it all the time. Uh, he's good, though. He seems very real. I love that interviews with all of them, too. Yeah. You, get, you get their story just that, like that. like And, you know, Faye's sister's like, her real name was Tina. You get that yeah. idea that she was like a Star Trek woman who was willing to do a lot more than, uh, well, you know what I mean, like just to be famous. And yeah. Alan, everybody's like, he was ruthless. He was bad. <laughs> And then we have Jack uh, Anders, who was just a dummy. Like he didn't. He I didn't like know his girlfriend, though. He was just, uh, yeah, yeah. Do I get a bread? Can I get out of this? some bread? Out of I mean, he was just a follower. He like he was good in bed. He liked to eat. He's a big dummy. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you get to Mark Tommaso, not one shred of decency. His own father, my yeah. son. My son is no good. He's no good. He sits around the house. He doesn't go to work. My son is dead. I don't want to talk about it. I love that. Uh, scene. That is probably one of the best. Don't bother me no more. Obviously, we got to compare it to Blair Witch, right? Way ahead of its time. It's it's the same it's the same story structure. Yeah, definitely. Blair Witch was inspired by Cannibal Holocaust and the last broadcast. I've never saw the last broadcast. I haven't. I never saw it. Check it out. We probably should. Yeah. I'm not. I remember saw Blair Witch when it came out, and I wasn't too happy with. But I was very young. Very young. I liked it when it came out because I was very young and I liked it. 
Well, I kind of because I thought it was real. Yeah. Well, I don't think we were like that. Ain't real. Me and my family were watching it. That ain't that didn't happen. See, I was um, six. Yeah. When it came out, so I, I was like, "Wow, it's real." Well, I was uh, twelve. I'm not that much old. I'm six years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about the movie? Like, what about the other cannibal movies? Like, Cannibal Ferox? Is, I like that one. It's not as good. I like Ferox, but it is more sleazy, and, like, I prefer the more, like, raw gut punch of Cannibal Holocaust. I, I mean, like, the animal deaths in Ferox seem worse to me, because it's, like, I mean, like, it's entertaining, this movie, but this movie's, like, cheap. It's shit. Like, it, it's, like, it's a good movie. I like watching, I like the B-movies, but it it's dying for, like, like Food of the God style. Like, these animals are dying for, like, nothing. Yeah, like for, really, right? for really no... It's cheaper. No artistic merit, really. Yeah, and then you it's shouldn't a, kill animals for artistic merit in general. The film but. itself is entertaining, but, like, it's it's not... I don't I don't feel like it really should be even compared to Cannibal Holocaust. I agree. I, I think they're on completely different levels. Well, you, you know what's interesting to me? Like, that whole cannibal genre start, like... Uh, eaten a, it was actually a Man from Deep River from by Alberto Lenzi yeah. had one cannibal scene in it. And yeah. with Ivan Rossimo, who is, pops up in a lot of these stuff. And then after that, uh, they approached Alberto uh, Lenzi to make another one, and he, Jungle Holocaust. And he said no, but Ruggiero took that job, made yep. it, and then he went out, I believe there was uh, around the same time he made Cannibal Holocaust, and it made lots of money. So uh, Alberto Lenzi was like, no, I'm the I'm the father of the cannibal movie. Yeah. So he went out and made um, Eaten Alive and Cannibal Ferox back-to-back. I believe that's how it went. And then later on, Ruggiero would go make Cut and Run. Which Cut is and Run. Not a cannibal movie, but very similar I've vein. actually not seen Cut and Run. No? I know they say it's like kind of the trilogy of, of it, his... Yeah, Alberto Lenzi has the uh, Jungle trilogy with uh, Man from Deep River, Eaten Alive, and Cannibal Ferox, while Ruggiero has... Jungle Holocaust, Cannibal Holocaust, and uh, Cut and Run. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a mouthful, isn't it, guys? Keeping track of all these cannibal <laughs> movies. But I, I enjoy them all quite a bit. And then you throw Sergio Martino that's in the what, mix. Mountain of the Cannibal Mountain God. of the Cannibal God, Sergio Martino. Yeah. And he also had three Jungle Adventure movies, too. Not three cannibal movies. Uh, you throw in Mountain of the Cannibal God along with Island of the Fishmen, a.k.a. Screamers. And the other one is uh, Big Alligator River. So there's what's a lot of the, Jungle movies. The, what's the that. final cannibal movie, though? It's like the dinosaur... Oh, uh, you're talking about Massacre in Dinosaur Valley? Yeah, also, I'm not sure if there's any Amazonia. scenes in there. Amazonia, but those... is really crummy. Yeah, I didn't like it that much. It's Although, there's crummy. not much animal violence in it. I think it's like a fish. Oh, Zombie Holocaust is a kind zombie of... Zombie But there's no animal violence in Zombie Holocaust. It's guilt-free cannibals yeah. from Italy. But uh, what else do you want to talk about Cannibal Holocaust? I just remember the impact that it had on yeah. me. And it was one of the first extreme movies... Um, that I watched, you know, one of the first handfuls that I watched. So it kind of always stayed with me. And um, I think, I mean, it's a great film. I mean, you know, Sage Stallone and those guys at Grindhouse, they wouldn't have put it out if they didn't think it was, like, culturally relevant. And, um, you know, I love extreme movies, so I love yeah. the violence in it. And I couldn't recommend it, like, enough. I, I think anyone that is interested in these kind of genre films, this is, like, definitely the best one. Do you get teary-eyed when the turtle dies? I don't get teary-eyed, but I do feel, I feel uneasy in my stomach. Some, that, some of those it. music cues are embedded in my head forever. The... Yeah. And Jack's, like, look. Oh, oh when he does He kind of, yeah. He kinda, the but way he, he kind of looks at the camera. He looks mean, but like you said, he also kind of looks like he... What, what, at the end, when uh, when Felipe gets his light cut off, it looks like he's going to... When they start burning the wound, colorizing yeah. the wound, he, it looks like he's going to throw up and he feels bad, but Mark's sitting there, like, smiling almost. And with the butterflies that Mark puts on, like, I get the impression that Mark's a sadist. Yeah. Like, he enjoys inflicting pain on others. But 
And, and like Tommaso, Mark Tommaso actually had a bigger career after a lot of these guys. The guy who played him, he's in more movies after these guys. Well, Jack oh, Anders really only popped up that. in Cannibal Ferox again. That's funny that he did. Was that Ferox? I thought he was in Eaten Alive. No, Robert Robert Kerman is in Eaten Alive and um, Cannibal Ferox and Cannibal Holocaust. Well, the guy who plays Jack Anders pops up in um, Cannibal like Ferox. A he's a he's a guy. Who, yeah, he this. slaps a woman or something like that. That's all he does. <laughs> yeah. With his Hulk Hogan mustache. Another another cool thing that we could talk about is that they used a song from Cannibal Holocaust in, in Baskin. Baskin. That that music cue, yeah. And I don't think it was like credited or. I don't know, but it, it's impactful. Like you right definitely. away, I knew. Yeah, it. I, I knew, knew it. it too. As soon as that popped up, I, I knew. I was it. like, oh, it's like, yeah. That, because yeah. we're such big fans of Cannibal Holocaust, yeah. we just know instantly. It, it, this movie had like really like tore into the media, like all that stuff. And my favorite stuff, actually, and some of my favorite stuff is when Robert Kerman's like. He actually he's sitting with the executives when they show the final reels, and the two executives something really terrible happens, and they both give each other those looks with like, like crossing a leg, sitting uncomfortably while yeah. they're showing the president in front of them. And at the end of it, all he does is pick it up and he says, "I want this material burned, all of it." And he just boom, hangs up. It's just so brilliant. Like they wanted to put that on television without they just sensationalize it. Yeah, like that. And, and it's so messed up. Like, I remember reading stuff that Franco Prosperi said on the Wild uh, Beast movie that he made. I mean, he was involved with that. And he was like, the rats were fine. We didn't kill any rats. And, like, you watch it. Those, like, those rats are getting massacred. Yeah. It's like, I can't, I can't believe the guy. I can't believe anything that comes out of the guy who directed Mondo Connie's mouth. Well, even Campbell Apocalypse is another one we talked about. That's one of my absolute favorites. They burn rats in that, too. Yeah, but that one's less more of a jungle. It's not really a jungle adventure. It's more of like a, a viral Dawn of the Dead action-style rip-off. It's, it's a wonderful movie, though. the jungle to the streets. Yeah, it's it's a great virus infection with John Saxon, Giovanni Radici, who pops up at Cannibal Ferox, and, of course, Tony King from stuff like uh, Raiders of Atlantis and all sorts of other things. I think he's in the original Shaft, too. But that's a wonderful movie, actually. I really enjoy that I, I quite like that a bit. movie a lot, too. I've always loved that but one. But I... I, I would kind of lump it in with all of them. If, if that one, I, that's my second favorite after Holocaust by far. I actually really like Eaten Alive. Eaten Alive's pretty good. Like, even though it takes a lot from other movies. It's Jonestown stuff, story, yeah. But I, I like it. I mean, it even uses footage from, like, his earlier films and stuff. I, what I didn't like about the Cannibal Holocaust Blu-ray, it didn't have any subtitles. There's no subtitles. And the opening of Cannibal Holocaust always threw me off, like... The first five minutes when it's in the jungle and, like, cannibals are getting shot and, like, falling down without gun wounds, it's almost like, oh, this is going to be really silly. And it has uh, something I always uh, saw that stuck out about that opening when they're shooting them. Terrible sound effects. Like, I like the Italian The old kind shots. of Western kind of sounding. I like, love it. See, I, I, don't, I don't really like it. I, I, I do like the cannibal, his face, like, explodes yeah. from the, from the but, machine gun. But that stuff is just so, like, almost doesn't feel like it belongs in that movie, to be honest. Like, yeah, they don't get any bullet wounds. Like, There's no bullets that hit the water when he I, falls back. I, the first scene that is like, oh, wow, is either the muskrat. What happens first, the muskrat or the woman who uh, he uh, committed adultery that he kills? The he, muskrat. Yeah, the muskrat. Then that scene right after with the adultery the adultery, scene, yeah. That that's, is that's a powerful scene, yeah. and, and he reaches up to, the, like, the sky. That's a very memorable scene, and... There's so many memorable, awful scenes. The abortion, where she's sick and they bury the oh, baby. That's yeah, awful. Yeah. So repulsive. And the burning of the village is, it's beautiful. And then the music kicks in and you see the burning. And, and then they're filming the, the the woman tribe member who's just like... <gasps> I can't breathe. This old lady would <laughs> probably like become food for some alligator. Yeah. But you know what? Even after they burn the village down, what they decide to do after is screw on top of the ashes of all the people they just burned. And that's maybe the only ex- exploitative scene, I would say. When they're screwing? 
Yeah. I don't know. I think it just goes oh, to show oh, how sleazy, careless they are. Sleazy, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just so, so careless they are. And how voyeuristic everybody is, too. Yeah. Because they're always, like, watching each other do awful things. Well, it's things. funny. If you, if you listen on that commentary uh, with Carl York, he says that the... The tribes people they kept they did that scene like five times like five takes of it and they kept they kept like thumbs upping him like because he thought he was actually having sex with this woman so many times in a row. Read me, read me uh, hearing that she said something like let's just do it for real and he was in a relationship so he's like I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. His story is, is very, very great to hear because uh, I remember Bloodspire interviewed him and he went elaborate into the story. Like, how basically he was on there and he didn't know. He's like, I'm being taken to a snuff film. I'm yeah, going to yeah. be killed. And, like, I love what Robert Kerman said about Ruggiero Diodato. He's like, he doesn't have a soul. I don't think he has a soul. <laughs> and then, like, he does the commentary with him later and he almost, like, changes his mind completely. Like, it's just so strange. I never got to meet. Robert Kerman, unfortunately, but we met Ruggiero. Yeah, that was very cool. And he he was he was cool. Yeah, he was nice. Um, hard to understand. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, very strong Italian. Yeah. But I, uh, Carl York, though, I didn't get a chance to meet him. You didn't meet him. I didn't. I, See, I met. I him, ruined my life. And I actually became friends with him, yeah. and we still keep in touch. And he's a very cool dude. Yeah. He told a great story on the like that Bloodsburger podcast where he's talking about like, well, what have you been doing lately? And he's like, everybody always answers like, oh, I got three projects coming up, they're not out yet. And he's like, at that point, like saying like the title like Cannibal Holocaust almost became like a joke. Like no one believed I was in that. Like, yeah. And the way he tells the story is, is he's wonderful. He's a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. He's a film school teacher. And they all had to sign that contract. They wouldn't work for a year. Yeah. I think they were dead. He was way ahead of the curve on that because Blair Witch did the same damn thing. Yep. Way ahead of the curve. That movie it. was ahead of the curve on a lot of a lot of different aspects. A, a lot of it's like uh, it's and like the effects are actually. The really, I wonder oh. like who did the effects. Is it Dionati De Rossi did the effects? I believe it is was. Is he like a prolific Italian? Yeah, I think he did. He worked on tons of stuff to make up. I think it's him. He did work. Well, on they used a real corpse in it too. Did they? And which scene? Um, Jack Anders. Yeah, it yeah. looks real. Like with his pants down, like yeah, the guy's dick and stuff. They cut, yeah. that, they cut a corpse's dick. Off. I think they did. I yeah. don't think so. I don't know, man. It looks terribly gross, though. I think that's a real that's corpse. That's so repulsive. Uh, Jack Anders and uh, Faye. They're the, they, to be what's honest, they're the not the mo- they're the least bad ones to me. Yep. And they get the worst deaths. Yeah. Oh, Faye's, yes. Faye and, very terrible. Faye and Jack get it awful. I mean, Jack's probably dead. Well, there's now. real, um, there's actual real uh, human murders in the film. Um, oh, the, the the video, the last road to hell. Yeah, that, that's all real. That, that has real shootings and stuff in it. Pretty powerful stuff. Which is not stuff. snuff, but like it's real human deaths also per- yeah. portrayed in the film. Yeah, they didn't film them, but that's they pretty added awful. It in. Is that stuff in like Adios Africa? Yeah, Adio or is Adios Africa? I can't remember what it's called. Oh, Africa, Adido. Or yeah, Adido. Or yeah, there yeah. it is. There it is. I'm sitting there saying, I always judge people. I'm like, it's Mondo Kani. Because people always say, Mondo Kane. I was like, well, if, if you see Mondo Kani, you know it's Mondo Kani. Because yeah. the first three seconds of Mondo Kani, they say, Mondo Kani. Yeah. So I'm sitting there mispronouncing Africa, which I have not seen. I, after I saw Mondo Kani and Mondo Magic, I was like, oh, that's enough Mondo for me. I think Mondo Kani is probably just like the best one of the is it, ones. Mondo Magic for too. I mean, like I could see why someone would watch those and be and and, and why he saw those and watched this kid watching the news and he's just like, man, they're just manipulating people like that so easily. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a great film. I, like it's much. I know a lot of people are like I don't like. It, I can't stand it. But it's like I think it's more than you know what it says. It's like the exploit. It's it is an exploitation movie, but very rarely does an exploitation movie 
get out of that and become something much more. I would say like Men Behind the Suns too. Like there's power in that movie yeah, too. Like and it, it like it taught me a history lesson that I did not know. Yeah. Unit seven three one and things like that. And even if it is exaggerated, I don't know. But yeah, Cannibal Holocaust actually makes you think. It made me feel awful. It made so, me feel you know like it actually has something to say. Where a lot of yeah, all pretty much all the other kind of movies are just sleazy. Well, and, and their messages are really ham-fisted, like the end of a fifty sci-fi movie. Like it's like them at the end of Cannibal Ferox, where it's like, like she basically looks at the thing and lies about everything, like yeah, Green yeah. Inferno. I don't remember what she says at the end though, but she basically lies and says they were all turned over and eaten by alligators. And, says, and like, you okay. don't like the Green Inferno, but no, I mean like I mean I, do I, like I was referring to Cannibal Ferox as Green Inferno, I messed up. Yeah. But Cannibal oh. Ferox at the end of that, how yeah. cheesy that is. I think the Green Inferno is uh, is the worst thing that Eli Roth ever did, and it's the worst movie that came out that year that I like made it, it. the theaters. I actually like it. Maybe it's just because I'm seeing cannibals on a big screen. I Maybe know. that's I, I. It's terrible, awful. I enjoyed it for terrible. what it was, and it's cool that he wanted to try to like. I appreciate that he tried to make a cannibal movie, but yeah. he's a filmmaker should know better that you cannot recreate that. And it's not worth trying, obviously, if they're going to do that. Yeah, I, I talked about the. I don't want to talk about that movie. It hurts me. It didn't happen. CGI never happened. But a lot of people would be offended about the animal killing. And I don't blame them. It was a different time. But uh, but here's what it, it is. It's a different era. You should be offended. It should repulse you. Because the movie's trying to rape your senses to get you to pay attention. Which is awful that everybody has to do it. Now, that's how everybody is nowadays. So they're like, every headline has to be extreme. Every The worst movie ever. The best movie ever. Uh, man dies. And you see like this exploitive headlines just to get your attention. And it's yeah. just so aggravating. And they do that. That's how movie was way ahead of its time. But it's always been like that. Maybe we can talk about uh, releases a little bit. Yeah, um, this never hit ahead of VHS release in the States, ever. Really? There's a tear-on-tape book um, where it mentions that it was, but it never truly was. I mean, they might have had one. Is there, like... Back a, in the 70s, I mean, the 80s, there never really was one. bootleg, though, I, I heard about? There might have been a laser disc, but I don't know if it was ever released in the States, officially. But there was not a VHS, not official VHS, unless somebody... Correct me on this, but I don't believe there was. Tear-on-tape says there was one, but it's not. What do you have? Book. What editions do you have? I have the DVD from Grindhouse. I used to have a Substance DVD, which was like a bootleg, with a, and then some of the Peter Jackson, like, Meet the People's Bad Taste was on that label. At times, they were, like, bootlegs, too. I have the Grindhouse Blu-ray as well, which is what I watched. And uh, uh, what else did I have? I think I had another edition, too. I can't remember what it was. It had the skull on the, it. The, the, like, skull with, like, the orange kind yeah, of... Yeah, I had that, too. I have... Grindhouse DVD. I had that. Which is what I watched the most and what I actually recently watched. The Grindhouse Blu-ray. Me too. That's what I just which watched. Which looks great. Yeah. But I also have the Shameless Blu-ray. That's the... It has... It's all cut. It has... Well, well, no, it has a... He actually, like, went back and re-edited some stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's like a new edit. The whole movie? Not really, but a little bit. He did, like, a little bit of different stuff. That's why I got it, because it's a different cut. It's a new... Cut. I don't like it. I'm just kidding now. So yeah, I have three. I have three copies of it. Ah, just such an amazing movie. It is. But the Grindhouse edition, I would definitely recommend buying. It's like the Mac Day. Like I always said that Lindsay might have been the father, but Diodato was the king. Yeah, yeah. And uh, any last words? Do you have anything? I think I've said all I could say. I, I, the movie's been talked. Everybody, you know, everybody, a lot. Everyone everybody and their brother and your brother's friends talk about it. But yeah. I'll leave you with one last word, guys. I'll leave you with one last word. I wonder who the real cannibals are. There we go. Let's throw one of these in there. <laughs>
Watch it, Alan. I'm shooting. Oh, good Lord. It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual writer. With the almost profound respect these primitives have for virginity. Get the bus now! Oh, we gotta get the film back home now! Think of it! 